Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. A Thursday morning, our last Thursday before college football kicks off. Yes, a week from tonight, it's the Utes and the Cougars. We're going to hear from both of them, from Kyle Whittingham, from Kalani Sataki. They're starting to feel questions about the rivalry game. We'll get to that coming up in our next segment. Uh, sports last night, a little bit on the slow side. Uh, you know, another day, another home run record, because it's just every time you turn around, there's a home run record. Uh, this one, the Orioles. Allowed home run number 258. That ties a Major League Baseball record. The next home run they give up will set the record. 259. Where are they going? At the rate they're going, are they going to get to 300? I would guess yes, but who knows? That is just a ton of home runs. But it's all about launch angle. Nobody has any confidence they can put together three singles on a regular basis. So, hey, get up there and swing for the fences, baby. That's what you got to do. Uh, another sports story, the Pac-12 came out with an announcement from one of their uh, underlings there in the conference office that they're not going to play any of the early games this year, the 9 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Mountain Time kickoff on Big Fox. There are teams that are interested. I think Utah's one of them. I think UCLA's another. After the media availability with Kyle, the story broke that there's too many stakeholders to talk to, you know, on your own on-campus site. There's a lot of stuff to make sure everything goes right. So they're not doing it, but they're still interested. It sounds like it's going to happen. It just doesn't sound like it's going to happen this year. But next year, I don't know if it'll be 10 a.m. in Salt Lake or 9 a.m. somewhere on the West Coast, but I do believe the conference is going to try and take advantage of that. You know, if you were Utah, I don't think you want a 10 a.m. I know you don't want one in September. You probably don't want one in October. But in November, if it got you out of playing an 8.30 home game, in November, when the weather can be iffy, you know I can see it. I can see some of the uh, some of the positives there. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to Ute and Cougar practice next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're going to Uton Cougar practice. Let's start with... The Utes and Britton Covey trying to get healthy for that opener. Uh, Kyle Whittingham said he's uh, he's getting back to looking like the old Britton Covey. Didn't definitively say he would play. I would say if you read between the lines, he would play. But uh, he could still have him not play and not be called a liar. So it's out there. We'll just have to see how it goes. Uh, here's Britton Covey. Back to your 100% sprinting Britton Covey self. Wait and see mode. Yeah, this is this is wait and see mode because there are times when I feel like it. For yeah. Sure. Do you have a time frame right now for when you might want to be out there? Do you, do you anticipate being out next week or no? Uh, yeah, I anticipate being out there okay. next week. That's all I'll say. <laughs> okay. Um, growing up, you went to BYU games, right? Right. No, season ticket holder. Yeah. Would um, you ever get down on the field back in the day? I mean. Yeah, I used to go to the spring games. I used okay. to go onto the field. I remember meeting Gary Croton and Bronco Mendenhall. Um, yeah, it's funny. I still remember where my seats are, everything. Portal PP. Yeah? Yep. 
So it's going to be interesting to play there. You know, I love being up here, but I've always dreamed of playing in that stadium one day, and so it's going to be a fun game. How close is Lavelle to your home? It's like a four or five minute walk. Really? Yeah. Just are you just on the east? I'm just side? I'm just right on Canyon Road, right by the intramural fields. Okay. How are you? Yeah. It's so close. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll take the team over for a party after the game. You're obviously not down there. Anybody in the family, regulars down there still? Uh, define regulars. Do you like go to, go to games? Yeah. No. Everybody in yeah. my family goes to games still. It's it's great because my family we're all Ute fans, uh, but they also, you know. I don't think you have to hate BYU, so they go to those games. I even go on our bye week, I went and saw, because I've got four or five teammates on the team from high school. Have you given much thought about what it's going to be like to be out there wearing a Utah jersey versus, I'm sure when you were growing up, you were thinking about wearing a BYU jersey? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i played against him twice. I've been injured both times, so I haven't been able to play much, which has been a little frustrating. But uh, I guess more than anything... Right when I get inside those lines, it's going to be, you know, fury. It's, there's going to be no love once, once I get inside the lines. But I'm not one of those guys that just, like, hates the other team. You know, I, I think you can like both teams and respect both teams. How do you guys avoid a slow start, Britain? Last mm. couple of years, first games, they weren't granted against a team like BYU. But yeah. against some teams, you guys have kind of started slowly in September and in the openers offensively. Right. How do you avoid that? I think you got to eliminate chaos. That's the key. In, in openers, it's just like when you go and see an opening act in a theater and you have all these miscues, mis- people missing lines. I think we making a theater reference. My mom would be I like proud. That. Uh, but it, you just got to avoid chaos. I mean, the simple things such as substitution patterns, getting the play in on the right time. You, you'll notice there are more uh, penalties in the first game. So eliminate any type of chaos that you can. And I'd say score in the red zone will be a big thing for us too. Has that been a point that you guys have addressed as a group, getting yeah. off to a good start, a quick start in that game? Mm-hmm. We have. We, we've talked about eliminating the chaos in terms of less penalties, no delay of games, things like that that you really can control. That that's the first game, so you got to be on your toes. There is Britton Covey. Now here is Bradley and I. They got some big boys there that you'll be going against. Yeah, um, I heard a lot about them. Um, Heard they're a solid group. Uh, from what I've seen uh, playing them last year, um, yeah, they are a solid group. Um, but you know, it's all up to who comes to play on that day. I think it'll be you guys, huh? Oh yeah, you're planning on the definitely. Yeah, all the way. You feel like no matter who it is and how they come, the fact that you guys are so deep and can shuttle guys through, even if somebody stands up to you early, you got a good chance of wearing them down. Right. Yeah, we have the depth to do it. Um, you know, there's not a a drop off at any position on the especially the defensive line uh, it's a solid group of guys and we've got the depth has it been different this year preparing for an opener when it's the rivalry game as opposed to you know, a lot of times you open against big sky teams and you knew you were going to win and, and there's a little more juice to this one yeah the, the, definitely uh, the atmosphere is different especially with the coaching uh, coaches are way more uh, anal about things um, on and off the field and so you definitely feel it from the coaches but uh, it's an it's awesome atmosphere you know you're pumped and you're um, ready to go so what what kind of things are they wearing you out about what where's the detail where there's over the top crazy about every every little thing um you know whether it's passing uh the level of the quarterback when you're rushing you know pass rush lanes and whatnot uh we want to be able to 
um, handle this team, this offense, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and um, and you know really cause some havoc for that quarterback. After how poorly the team started last year, it's been a big point of emphasis to get off to a better start against BYU this year. Yes, it's, um, on both sides of the ball, um, offensively, defensively, um, you know we got to come with the juice right away. Um, that's something we did struggle with um, last season and pri- seasons prior, but. Uh, has the preparation for them been a little uh, a little easier because you are playing for the second time in four games? Is everything kind of fresh? You look at what they do and you kind of dialed in right from the get-go? Yeah, I, f- I feel like I know their offense better than our own offense. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I know everything they're going to do on first, second, second, seven, um, third and short, whatever it may be. We know every single play that, that almost every single play that they run. And whether they hit us with something something else, then uh, so be it, we'll be ready. Brad, what was your... Um, growing up with your dad being a BYU guy, what was your kind of relationship with this rivalry going back to when you were younger? Was yeah. it something that you were always into as a young kid? Yeah, well, I mean, it just kind of went over my head when I was a kid, but as I got older, um, uh, BYU was my first offer. Right. And so, you know, and then Utah offered me finally, and, you know, I never looked back ever, ever since. But uh, my whole family, they're Ute fans right, right now. Um, and my dad, too, he's a Ute fan, too, yeah. believe it or not. But for him, he, he always says, you know, I'm, I'm a Ute fan for one, one more year. <laughs> no, this is my last year. And uh, and so, you know, he's going to, you know, family, yeah. family over whatever rivalry. There is the Utes, Bradley and I. Now here's the head coach, Kyle Whittingham. How ready is Tyler Huntley to get back into a game? It's been a while. <laughs> very ready. The entire team's very ready. It's okay. it gets old, you know. You beat on each other all spring ball and then all fall camp, and and uh, you just dying to play somebody else. And and uh, we got eight days to go, but uh, it'll be here soon enough. But uh, the entire team is excited to get this season underway. Looks like you had an old friend out there today watching some yeah, practice. Yeah, How was it? Coach Meyer stopped by. Great, great to see him and and uh, spend time with him and and. Uh, you know, I guess we'll see a lot of them on TV now. Yeah, so in the Fox Studios. Um, how do you avoid slow starts? You've had some slow starts in openers in recent yeah. years. Is there anything you guys coach up, teach up? How are you going to avoid that slow no, start? No, if there was, I'd be, you know, I'd be the, the genius of all yeah. coaching. But I think everybody goes through that to some extent. You know, you, get, you want to start fast every game, not only the opener, but but every game you play in. But uh, you just never know. A lot of it's just matchups and how the game plans match up and feeling each other out in the first quarter of the game. And, and uh, so I don't know if I have a good answer for you other than we certainly – ideally would like a fast start we certainly didn't get that last year right yeah well, speaking of matchups BYU's got a big offensive line but your D-line going against them is that a pivotal matchup in your eyes I think the line of scrimmage is a pivotal matchup every week both sides you know not only our D-line but our O-line versus their D-line and and that's typically where you know the, the game is won and lost is in the trenches I mean that's that's the name of the game and and uh, so it'll be no different in this game it'll be absolutely critical to, to be able to win that battle when you went back and looked at last year's game what stood out about maybe about the first half or, or before you guys kind of exerted yourself a little bit what stood out in that game to you what did they do well first of all right out of the gate when we had a three and out got a great stop on third and short and then we uh, had the punt bounce off one of our guys and got you know went right to him and that that gave momentum right there I mean that was that was not the ideal way to start the game and then uh, we sputtered on offense in that first half couldn't get much going there had a field goal blocked um, so there was a lot of things that uh, that went wrong, but credit to our guys, they kept swinging, they kept fighting. Defense never never gave in. Offense got got it cranking in the second half, and fortunately there was uh, just enough in the tank to get it done. 
So is it any different prepping for a rivalry game with the opener? Do you feel like through camp you've had guys' attention a little more? I mean, you played some openers where you've been heavy, heavy favorites over a big Sky team. How different is this? Yeah, I think psychologically when you play a you know, rivalry game or a Michigan or you know, a, a, a game of that caliber, it certainly gets their attention more so than if you're playing a lesser opponent. But but uh, we don't change anything. You know, our process is what it is, and we, we continue to to uh, go through the you know the routine that we've gone through every year. And so, but but it's you know it is a little more. There's a little more emotion there, a little more intensity because of, of the nature of the first opponent. Is Britton Covey beginning to look like Britton Covey again? He is. He is, and uh, excited to watch him play. And it's great to have him back. You know, we missed him in that in the bowl game, and and uh, we're just excited for his return. How much does the preparation change because you're playing for the second time in four games? Kind of unusual to see a <laughs> yeah. team this close together. Yeah, that is. That is. It's uh, it is uh, uncharted territory. We've never had this quick a turnaround with in the rivalry game, but but uh, you know nothing you do about it. So you just prepare and, and get ready and and. Uh, you know, hopefully you play well. What did you see from Zach Wilson when you played him at the end of last year, and what's kind of your anticipation improvements over the offseason? What do you anticipate seeing from him in, in a week? Well, he's got a strong arm, quick release, um, goes through his read progression very well, and makes good decisions. Uh, and the thing that hurt us last year, which was you know kind of under the radar and didn't get a lot of notoriety, was his running. You know, we let him out of that pocket uh, four or five times, and he did some damage in that regard, and and so that's got to be something that we get cleaned up this year. Uh, what do you hope to accomplish having Urban here? Is it just pumping the team up? Oh, he's just passing through visiting. You know, he was uh, in, in Salt Lake for a couple of days and and uh, just invited him to speak to the team after practice. And and we also had Bo Nagahi here and John Madsen, some of our former players. So so it was great to have him back and, and uh, say a few words to the team. Was that by design for rivalry week or would you have him? Oh, he just happened yeah. to okay. come into town. Yeah, that wasn't any... Uh, you know, preconceived deal. He just said, hey, I got a call from him a little while ago, you know, a couple weeks ago, said I'm passing through and would love to stop by. There's Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham. Now here's Kalani Sataki with the media on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. How things go out there today? Good. I thought it went really well. Um, you know, for our mock game situation and getting all our guys out there and um, different situations, especially with special teams and everything, I thought it went really well. We we uh, decided not to go live today. Um, in the past, we've even gone live with the uh, young guys towards the end. And I thought, um, looking at what happened uh, you know, a few years back in last year, we had a lot of guys get injured, even on our prep squad. And, and those guys are very valuable for us in getting us the right look. So uh, today was a little bit more of a, a thud tempo. And uh, from what I saw, it was competitive and really good. So I really pleased with what our team did today. How healthy have you been? Have you been able to stay? I know that was an emphasis, obviously, with all this. How healthy have you been able to stay during during fall? Well, I think the emphasis on health has been trying to get them um, trained in the weight room and, and with the conditioning. And but we have to be mindful of our players and how much uh, how much the physical part we're putting them through. You know, I have to be mindful of um, the live amount, amount of live reps and um, who's getting them. And so I think having a deliberate. Um, effort on our staff being able to just focus on who needs the live reps and who doesn't and being able to just kind of plan that every day has been nice for our guys so we've we've had a, a good amount of live reps with the guys that need it the most and i was just really pleased with this so i i, I uh we'll find out in a week right but i, I think that our guys are ready and uh, we came out of pretty you know obviously we've had i think injuries happen but uh for the most part i thought we did a pretty good job as a staff preventing as much as we can 
How do you think the depth has developed? Because that's always the emphasis here is to make sure you have as many guys ready as you can. Yeah, I mean, I think we have a really young team. So if you look at probably most, more than half our team are just young newcomers and freshmen, right? So um, I think being able to just put a lot of reps and sinking a lot of effort into them has been really helpful for us in developing depth. And we have a lot of young guys on this team that have experience. So that's always going to help. And then we focused on the peer-to-peer learning and, and having our guys teach each other. And, um, you know, it's kind of like when you're preparing something, a lesson for church, you end up doing learning the most yourself, when you're, whether it's speaking in church or, or, or teaching a class. And for those of you that don't know, you probably should tr- give it a shot and see what, <laughs> see what I'm talking about. But I, I thought that it, it went really well with our players, and I've been really pleased. I just like the, the culture that they're buying into of, of everyone helping each other and teaching each other. This morning we had a really cool thing. You know, we, were, we were lucky to have Patty Edwards come speak to the team. And that was important that we have uh, that we have to play in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. But I thought... Uh, I'm feeling old because a lot of the guys weren't even born when I was playing, so it makes me feel old. But I, I, that makes me think that I don't know if they really know Lavelle Edwards and who he is as a person. So throughout camp, we've been really trying to have an emphasis on teaching them more about Lavelle and, and the impact he had on college football, but also the person that he was, the father and husband that he was, and the mentor and coach that he was. So having Patty this uh, this morning speak to the team this was a really special treat for our players, and they, they were just really excited to have her talk and she did an amazing job so that was a big part of it and I think uh, you know we're going to be back in here again and under the lights and, and uh, want our guys to visualize them having success and and knowing a little bit now that they know a little bit more about Lavelle and it can be a little bit more personal for them when they when they see that name on the stadium and when they play on this field. Why, why is that important for you for them to understand the legacy of BYU football? I play for the man and I love him so um you know, and, and I think that uh, the more we talk about him and get to um, just let them know what kind of person he was, uh, the better that will be. So I, I think that um, we always talk about history repeating itself. I think Mark Twain said that history doesn't repeat itself. It just um, it rhymes. And so hopefully we could rhyme, have it rhyme with what Lavelle did here. And being a player that was a, a captain for him on this last year and, and a guy that I, I, I just admired him. He's one of my heroes. And so... Um, it's just really nice for our players to get to know him, and and uh, I think I think it meant a lot to them. You know, they you got to remember they're really young, and so it's like us, our generation, learning about Vince Lombardi. And if you don't know anything but the name, then how what kind of impact is it going to have on you when you get to play in the stadium that's named after the guy? So uh, yeah, that's that's been really really good, and I think it's been it's been a real cool connection for our players to be connected to Lavelle. You, you mentioned a bunch of the new guys that are really stepping up and, and kind of taking big steps forward. One of those former new guys that's had a really good camp seems like is Dax Mill. How's he mm-hmm. impressed, and what's he kind of done to, to impress coaches in, in you know, Dax, his first real camp? Dax is a um, really shy guy, and um, you know, we put him in positions to speak up a little bit more and then be in front of the team and, and to, to have an opportunity to lead, and he is an amazing leader. You know, he's always done it by example. But it's just really nice when, when uh, he can talk because he, he's a guy that came in as a freshman. Not only did he come in as a, a preferred walk-on, but he earned a scholarship, you know. And then he, um, so he came in as a true freshman, played, 
earned a scholarship and is now he can be a great example and he can give a little bit of experience to the guys that are coming in, others that are in the same, same situation or other walk-ons and, and other guys that are, are looking at cracking the depth chart. So uh, he's a great example of what we need, and, and uh, I've just been really amazed with him, and I'm just glad I have him for three more years of play. So he, he's a great young man, and, and I'm glad that the coaches put him in a position where we can really see his potential and have, allow him to flourish as a leader. Colin, you touched on this, but what's it like walking the walk, watching the walk-on journey? Dax, as an example, came in as preferred and now mm-hmm. on scholarship, but watching those guys try and fight for spots and try and earn playing time and then earn scholarships and, and go through that whole process. Well, I think it's important for us to recruit all um, all 120 spots on our team, and um, there's, we're only allowed 85 scholarships, you know, so um, I think that if we can recruit the other spots and show them that they have a role and sometimes define it for them and then let them know that the potential that they can come with. Uh, we've, we've had a, a lot of guys that we put on scholarship. Um, in the past, we've kind of announced it. I just choose not to because uh, there's a lot of guys. I, I, I would dare people to just look at our team and you tell me who you think is a scholarship guy who is a walk-on. We treat them all the same, and then they don't have whether uh, they're a walk-on or scholarship guy. If they deserve to play, they'll be on the depth chart and they'll play. And so it's been nice having that uh, attitude and the coaches buying into that. So that's that's the way we function. And if there's a way that we can recruit from within, then we'll give a scholarship uh, to the kid that deserves it that's with us at that moment. I'm sure you've been asked this before, but I don't know your answer. Are you the kind of coach who believes defense wins championships? I think defense, offense, and special teams wins championships. And a brilliant man told me once, score more points, and then you have a good chance of winning. So I like those simple concepts. <laughs> Absolutely. Then can you just comment on your defense as a whole? Yeah, I love the defense. I mean, that's you know, it's weird because I played, I played uh, running back and. Um, even though I was probably an old lineman in the backfield, you know, blocked more than I ran, but I, it was okay. I like to say that I played running back, but I I, um, I coached every position on the field except for quarterbacks, and uh, so I've had I've been all over the place, and and I've enjoyed my time as a defensive coordinator. That's where I really was given the opportunity to, to work with a group and, and work with the defensive unit. But I think I still think offensively, which I think helps out, you know, and so. Um, Ituyaki is a running back that played for me when I was coaching at Southern Utah, and he's an offensive-minded guy, so I think he does that. He just thinks the same way, and I think it kind of helps out, you know. But uh, defensively, we have to have a, a defense to build off, off of. But um, with what we're trying to do on offense, sometimes you're going to ask the defense to play more reps, and they're willing to do it. So I, I'm, I'm grateful for the, for the coaching staff that we have on the defensive side, be willing to just do whatever the offense can to, to score points and put them in bad situations. I think they'll... They're, they're kind of they're embracing all of it. How much competitiveness is there at defensive back? A lot, yeah. I mean, I think we have a, uh, a shifting depth chart, and a lot of it has to do with health. But for the most part, if, if guys are are deserving to play more, then they will, you know. But I, I look at our defense and the amount of time that we spent running. You're going to need more than just two corners and two safeties. And um, you know, I, I like to say we wish we could play with the same four DBs the entire game, but. Uh, the style of football now doesn't allow you to do that very often. So uh, we're going to have to get to our – it's not just about 11 starters anymore. We'd like to have 22, 30 on each side if we could, you know, and, and then utilize them as much as we can. But uh, I, I think the, what attracts a lot of people to our, our defense, especially the defensive backfield, is that we play a lot of young guys and we're not afraid to put them out there, even as true freshmen. Speaking of the depth chart, what position battles are still up in the air in your opinion? Yeah, yeah. 
This is like Groundhog's Day. Did I say all of them last time? It was like deja vu, right? <laughs> all of them. I, do that. I think I said it was the same attitude. So, No, I don't. Um, I think we'll have a depth chart on Monday, but there, there's going to be a few ores there, and it all depends on on uh, what we're trying to get done. Right, so... Um, yeah, I, 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 I can't really choose the ones. I think we have quite a few. We have about eight guys that can play O-line at different spots, so uh, we'll see what, what it comes down with. I think guys, guys know, kind of have an idea who's going to be the, the starters and, and who's going to get some playing time. There's BYU football coach Kalani Sataki. When we come back, Riley Jensen, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Time right now to talk a little Utah football, a little BYU football, a little Aggie football with our college football insider, Riley Jensen, he's coming to us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's happening? It's the countdown to college football. We don't really want to wait another week, but we're going to because we have no choice. There there are question marks for all these uh, teams, all these position groups. And interestingly... There's different levels of confidence, but a little bit of a question behind all the offensive lines. Which team, which fan base should feel most confident that the O-line has got it together and is ready to, to get it done? And which has got the most question marks and should have the most stress going into the opener? Yeah, I think when it comes to offensive line, uh, you know, the more and more I'm hearing out of camp, the more that, that I think about it, I think BYU is in a pretty solid situation offensively now it'll be interesting to me because um you you know they're going to want to pound the rock you know that they're going to want to establish the run game early with coach grimes and and his system so they can get some some easy play action throws for zach um but what'll be interesting to me is how much they're going to open up the playbook a little bit and i i actually kind of hate that phrase like open up the playbook because I mean, I don't know an offensive coordinator that doesn't put the whole playbook in, but when it when it means open up the playbook, it means how much confidence do you have to put the quarterback in a situation where it's just a throwing down and you're just going to throw it, and you're going to have enough confidence in him from, to go from read number one to two and then even to three. That's when that's when I feel like the playbook the playbook really opens up is that you feel confident in your quarterback enough that he can go f- not just from one to two, but from one to two to three and get you a completion. And so I think they're going to pound the rock. I think they're in a good spot offensively. It'll be interesting because most of the pass blocking for BYU has been in the play-action scenario. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see when they know it's a passing down, when defenses know that you're going to pass it, how well that offensive line responds. So I think – I think they're the, the the most ready. I think the one that you you just have to worry about the most is the University of Utah. Just too many new guys, too many things filling in. Um, but when it comes to that, I also have a lot of confidence in their staff. I have a lot of confidence in Andy Ludwig to have a blocking scheme together 
that's going to be able to protect Ty Huntley. And then I think Utah State's somewhere in between um, with their offensive line. But when when I look at it, I think BYU is the most prepared. I'd be most worried about Utah. But I also have a lot of confidence in, in all three of the staffs with their offensive line and, and the work that they do there. So the rankings come out, and it's been a love fest for weeks now with the University of Utah football team. And, you know, I'm expecting them to be good, but i got to pump the brakes a little bit. It's my natural instinct. If everyone's going over here, I'm going to look for a path to go over there. Everybody knows that, right? You? So, yeah, you absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, for instance, <laughs> I know most people don't like you, but I love you. You know, that type of thing. I mean, I always go I against the grain. I do the exact same thing. I don't care what people say about you, PK. I'm I'm your biggest <laughs> fan. I'm I'm a big fan. <laughs> so I'm reading uh, this morning 2019 college football crystal ball playoff picks, dark horse predictions, and more by Sports Illustrated. It's a guy named Max Meyer. And, he, and I'll just read you a couple things, and I'm going to respond, and then I want your response. You look foolish more often than not when picking a Pac-12 team to emerge as a surprise college football tender, college football playoff contender. But I'm all in on Utah. The Utes' offense was rolling in October last season as they dropped at least 40 points in four straight conference games. All right, back that up. They did score 40 in October against Stanford, Arizona, and the two L.A. schools. Stanford scored 40, but it was not on offense completely. Jalen Johnson had a 100-yard interception return, and Matt Gay had four field goals, two of which were over 45 yards. So that is, what is 12 plus 7, Sniggy? 19. All right, so that's 19. So that's almost half of their points came on a 100-yard interception return and the best kicker this state has ever seen. And he's gone. And maybe this kicker, Rauk, will be all that. But he transferred from UC Los Angeles for a reason, because he wasn't the kicker. And now he won the job here. So I don't know that I could expect them to just, okay, we're 48, 49 yards on the road. You're our guy, son. Go give us three. Matt Gay gave you 12 on that day. And then the other, the two L.A. schools in Arizona, in scoring defense, that was the 8th, the 10th, and 11th teams in the conference. So can we back it up just a little that these guys are just going to steamroll over everybody? Or do you think I'm up in the night and, yes, they are going to steamroll everybody and it's going to be no problem? Respond, Riley R. Jensen. (laughs) I'm I'm with you and I'm not with you. Here's where I'm with you. I think that both you and DJ have done a good job of breaking down those four games. And I think... The four games were really interesting because it was the best that we'd seen Ty Huntley play, and so it gets a little bit exciting, like, okay, maybe he's turning the corner, maybe he can start doing this on a consistent basis. But I think also some of it was a result of the stickers on the helmets looking more impressive than the win. So the USC win, to the the rest of the country, that feels like, wow, I mean, they're taking it to USC, right? Even though USC's way down from where they've been. Stanford. Not nearly the team that they have been. And I know this stat because of you guys, and I've been listening to you. Seven and five, right? That's not, that's not a typical great Stanford team by their standards. But the sticker on the helmet makes you think, oh, that's a good win. UCLA has a tradition. Sticker on the helmet, that's a nice win, right? So you go through those wins, and you're like, okay, this wasn't against 
Oregon and Washington, right? This wasn't like they were just really playing. However, I will say this. It still is the Pac-12. It is still a high level of play. But I think when you break it down even further, like you're talking about, I just don't see how Utah can play as good on special teams as they played for the last three years. I mean, the, the special team's been off the chain good. It's always an emphasis for the University of Utah, but I think where I'm I'm sitting here going, I, I, there's been some hidden points and some hidden wins with special teams. I think there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off there. I think their defense is going to be really good. I think their offense is going to be better than they are. So as nice as it is to be kind of the, the media darling and the, the, the homecoming queen of this media season for the University of Utah, I hope they're not reading the press clippings. I know that Kyle's not. I hope the players aren't. I hope they're not starting to believe the hype because, you know, and people people always say this, but nobody cares about preseason All-American awards. Nobody cares about preseason picks. It's about what happens during the season. Now, if the University of Utah goes through this season and because of the love that they're getting, it helps them because of their RPI ratings and all those sorts of things, and they go out and take care of business, I think it could be a special season just because there's been so much love for them. But they have to go and they have to execute on a high level. And I think the question mark of the offensive line and the offense is going to be the difference. And I truly believe this is this is just like the gospel according to Riley. This isn't – but I think you have to have a great quarterback play to win the Pac-12. And so far, Utah has not won the Pac-12. Now, we know they've won the Pac-12 South. But to me, that's kind of like a—I don't know what that award is, right? You win the Pac-12 South. I don't. To me, you're trying to win the Pac-12, and to win it, you have to have great play at the quarterback position. I have not seen great, great play out of Tyler Huntley yet. That doesn't mean that he can't get there, but he's—it's gonna. There's gonna be a lot of games that are on his shoulders, and the plays that he makes are gonna determine whether this team can win the Pac-12 and be the media darling that everybody wants him to be or they're not going to be because he doesn't make the plays. And that's why you have to love the position of quarterback is because when it doesn't go well, it's your fault. When it goes well, everybody's going to love you, and everybody will love Tyler Huntley if he makes those plays. And I think if I were advising him, I'd just say, hey, man, pressure is a privilege. You've earned this spot. You've earned this pressure. Now just go and do what you're supposed to do. Because there's going to be a lot of pressure situations on him, and he's got to step up to the challenge. Because I haven't seen that it factor in him yet. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have it. It just means I haven't seen it yet where I'm like, oh, man, this guy has the ball in his hands, and he's going to make a play at the end of the game to get us to win this game. And that's what I want to make sure that I'm clear on. I'm not saying he can't, but I'm just not saying all this love. I just want to put somewhat of a little bit of a caution to it and I not agree. assume I, that it's, everything it's is going to be great this year. It's, yeah. It's 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 an over the top love right now. I I'm just like, okay, okay, yes. I I am I'm with you. I think Utah has tons of athletes. I think that they have a chance to be really good this year, but like you said, pump the brakes a little. Like let's let's lower the expectation just a little bit. Right. And then if you beat that, then you feel great yeah, about DJ's it. Yeah, DJ's just been going nuts all year about it. And it's just driving me crazy. 
He's making know, stuff he's like up. Oh, and you're going to go like, with him. I see how this no, works. He's like that guy yeah. that proposes to the girl like on the second date. He's down on one knee, <laughs> giving her roses, and he's ready to get married. You know, he's just, you got to pump the brakes, DJ. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. <laughs> pump the brakes. I think a lot of the preseason stuff we're hearing is spot on. I'll give you a couple of examples. Course you do. The coaches, Paul, and the media, Paul, have them ranked 14th and 15th. And if you look at what that usually means for a team, the... the, Did you look? I did. I'm looking at it right now. The (laughs) rankings for uh, teams 9 through 17 last year, uh, almost all of those teams were 9 and 3. Washington State was 10 and 2, and they were 13th. And West Virginia was in that group, and they were 8 and 3 because they had a game canceled by weather. But basically, when you say someone's between 11 and 15, which is where the Utes are showing up a lot... You're saying they're a nine and three team. Now, I don't think you need to pump the brakes on nine and three. I think the people who have a nine and three or ten and two are in the ballpark. The people who are saying playoff, I get why you want those people to pump the brakes. But basically, I think most people looking at the Pac-12, they have no idea who's going to win. The Pac-12 media, Oregon, Utah, and Washington were separated by two or three votes. I mean, they were all. You, you got to pick somebody, but you're not sure who it's going to be. PK is the outlier, and he's saying, look at Washington State. And a coach who would normally downplay it is saying, yeah, we were 11-2, and two and we should be better. I heard you say that. Do you buy Mike Leach when he says they're 11-2 and two and they're going to be better? Because if they're going to be better, maybe they're the team we ought to be looking at to win the Pac-12. Okay, so just real quick, before we get too excited about coaches' polls, just know that coaches don't care about coaches' polls. Yeah. And here's how I know. I got to vote three times during the year, one year at North Carolina State, on the coaches' poll for Coach Amato. <laughs> so, like... Let's 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 take it into context a little bit. Now, I'm not saying every coach in the country does that. There are some coaches who vote on it, and they're the ones who, you know, like really are meticulous. But Coach Amato could couldn't care less about the coaches' poll, and he used to pass it around to the DJs, the, the DAs, so that we could so that we could fill it out. And he did the same thing for postseason awards for All American. I voted on All American when I was at North Carolina State, so. As far as the coaches' polls go, I mean, was I really qualified to like vote on like the polls? I, I don't think so. Not, not at 27 years old when I'm, I've got my head so deep into special teams and offensive um, game plans that I have no idea what teams look like. I was voting for stickers on the helmet, so just take that for what it's worth. And then, as far as Washington State goes, I don't remember Mike Leach ever really being a guy that, like, really sticks up for his team that much. Like, I mean, I've heard him make fun of the pools before. I've heard him make fun of the fact that they're not ranked or something like that. But I've never I've never heard him say it and then follow it up with, like, and we're better than we were last year. And so there's part of me that feels like, man, I, I should probably listen to him a little bit and take a little closer look at Washington State. I mean, they've – they're, they're a team that's been interesting to me because nobody ever picks them to win any games. And it feels like the University of Utah every year has had their hands full with Washington State, and it feels like they they beat teams that we all think they shouldn't. When are we going to start flipping and turning and going, no, Washington State should win this game? So to me, there's, there's some truth to that, and it'll be interesting to see if he's right. He certainly has, has my attention as far as 
he he thinks they're better than last year. They were they were really good. They played some really good defense. And man, for a team that just throws the ball so much, he sure he he, he sure is able to keep the chains moving. Riley Jensen joining us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Uh, what is the one thing, you've been listening to us, what is the one thing we've missed on? Go ahead, call us out. What is the one thing that should be underlined, circled, highlighted? Uh, that, you've, that you've missed. You're speaking for DJ because I haven't missed anything. <laughs> there it is. Well... I mean, you guys have morphed into a lot of things. You know, I've been listening to you. I mean, there's been some things you've been wrong on, and then you came full circle on your right. But God, I can't think much that you're off. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm semi-optimistic to see what happens at the running back position at BYU. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that this guy out of South Carolina sounds like he's a pretty legit every-down type back. I also think uh, Zach Lopini Katoa is a, a really well-rounded back. Um, Katoa reminds me of a lot of the backs that they used to have in the past, like you know Matt Bellini, um, the type of guy that can run the draw trap for you. He can get you some tough yards to keep you off balance, and he's really, really good at catching the ball out of the backfield. He's a super hard worker and a good kid, so I'm excited to see what he can do. And then if this guy from South Carolina is a legitimate uh, every down back, I mean, that's going to be a big deal for Zach Wilson to be able to continue to to his upward trend as a quarterback. And I think I, I think when I'm when I'm when I'm thinking about the quarterback positions, I mean, I'm really excited to watch all three of these quarterbacks at the FBS schools play. Jordan Love. Tyler Huntley, Zach Wilson. I'm excited to see him play. I think one lesson that I learned early in my career, and I had some real success early in my career. Later, it was a little a little tougher. Is when you have success, it's a direct result of your teammates playing well. And when I played well, I had guys like Kevin Curtis catching the ball. I had a Lance Mickelson catching the ball. Who played at Kentucky. My tight end played at the U. My fullback played at Cal Berkeley. They, they, early in my career at Snow, like these were really, really good football players. And I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like I started walking around thinking, like, oh yeah, like I'm a pretty good quarterback. I'm pretty dang good. And then I got to Utah State, and I realized Kevin Curtis was no longer on the roster. Lance Mickelson's no longer on the roster. Some of these guys are no longer on the roster, and my stats aren't even close. So it'll be interesting to me that. There's a, there's a healthy balance for quarterbacks of being super confident in yourself and super confident in your abilities, but then realizing that sometimes when you're replacing key players like up in Logan at Utah State, they're replacing a lot of their, 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 their playmakers. And at BYU, they're still developing playmakers. And at University of Utah, they're still trying to find out who their playmakers are. And so these quarterbacks, as good as they are and as confident as they need to be in their situation, they also need to understand that those teammates are going to be the ones that make them look good. And so hubris is the enemy. You know, Your ego is the enemy um, when it comes to playing the quarterback position. You've got to be smart about who you're throwing the ball to, where you're throwing the ball. And it'll be interesting to see to me 
which one of these quarterbacks with a new group of guys that they're working with can step up and make all the plays that they made last year because it was it was a pretty encouraging year last year at certain spots for all of those quarterbacks. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. I can't wait. I'll see you guys later. There's our college football insider, Riley Jensen. He visits with us every week. When we come back, what is trending and all the headlines are next.